Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome, Lisa Elsinger, to the Lemon Spark podcast. I'm so glad you agreed to be interviewed for this podcast uh, after hearing about this horrific event that happened to you recently. Uh, I just thought you would be an excellent guest on the podcast to give our audience some tips and tricks when they're going through a difficult time. So everyone, I'd like you to meet Lisa Elsinger. She is a friend, but also a wellness guru, and she currently lives in Florida and works at Broward College in the Fort Lauderdale area. She is an associate director of workplace wellness. Uh, her position reports directly to the vice president of what was the it's, it's talent and culture it used to be the HR department. Ah, yes. Talent and culture. And she, so she has a lot of experience, of course, working with people who are going through difficult times um, but she had her own difficult time recently, which she'll share with us in a moment. So uh, welcome, Lisa, to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, Barbara. This is really wonderful. It's been great to catch up, and it's wonderful to be here. And thank you to all who are listening. Um, it, th this little um, discussion will be all about the fact that Mindful moments, just moments, really matter when you need them. And so when we talk about creating those neural pathways in our minds that help us to activate that parasympathetic nervous system, which is called rest and digest, uh, meaning you're lowering your heart rate, lowering your blood pressure, reducing the cortisol in the bloodstream, actually reducing the adrenaline as well, enabling us to think clearly and act logically and rationally in emergencies, among other things. Of course, mindfulness has many benefits, but for me, this was integral as I experienced my car accident just a couple weeks ago. Yes. So that is the lemon that you recently faced was you had a car accident and knock on wood, I have never been in a car accident and um, uh, it's not something I, of course, <laughs> wish on anyone, but tell us a little bit about what happened and and then of course the the key piece of this story is how you were able to survive and get through it so i was on the way to an antique mall in pompano beach i am downsizing and i was going to have them look at some of the photos of of some antiques that i had and thankfully i didn't bring them with me i would have piles of glass instead of some antiques from my grandmother. So um, I, I was hit uh, on the passenger side. And what I remember is suddenly experiencing a thud, hearing a loud sound, and then skidding across the road as I was leaning at about a 45 degree angle to the right. So if you visualize that, you've got your seatbelt on that crosses over your left shoulder, tilted toward the right. And my mind instantly said, I am calm, think clearly. Mm. I'm calm, think clearly. I did not panic. And I felt the slow breathing, the slow belly breathing, the intrathoracic breathing coming on. 
on its own, by itself. That means it is a mental habit and a physical habit. And I remember watching the road go by as the cars did spin around once. And I'm thinking in my mind, I wonder what's going to happen. Because there could have been a guardrail. There could have been signposts. There could have been other cars. And, and thankfully, there were not. But I just sat there and kept saying, I am calm. Think logically. The car came to a stop. And I was still breathing very calmly. And, 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 you know, this is metacognition, right? Thinking about what you're thinking. I remembered thinking that I had been thinking about being calm. And uh -huh. so what happens then is that you also don't tense up physically because that creates some higher risk of injury. You're all tense and, and you, you end up having some muscle spasms and, and some, some pretty significant after effects. And so I was able to stay calm, not only in mind, but then also more relaxed in body. So the first thing I did was I smelled this, that, that smell of when the airbag deploys. And as it turns out, the airbag deployed on my left shoulder, which is why I'm, I'm very sore there, but it's a smell of burning plastic. And so I said, well, I'm smelling burning here. I wonder if the car is going to blow up, I should get out. And, and it was it was almost, it was just almost comical if it hadn't been so scary because that was how logically I was thinking. The pass or the driver's door didn't open because the, the frame was was cracked at that point. So I was able to extricate myself from my seatbelt, turn myself around in the car. And this so is the, this is while the airbag had been deployed. Yes, all the airbags had deployed and, and the Honda Fit has a safety rating of five, which I, I'm really impressed with. The, the frame doesn't collapse inward. The frame remains intact. So you have the entire uh, inside of the car to maneuver around and it doesn't crush you. So that was really, really fortunate. So I was able to, the airbags deployed on the side as well as in the front. Mm -hmm. So I was protected with the airbags. But I was able to, because of mobility with my, I'm a fitness instructor for, for a couple hundred years now. And then I teach yoga at LA Fitness when I'm not working at Broward College. And so the, the, the torso mobility and the joint mobility enabled me to flip around in the car, the core stabilization and strength, the hip strength, despite having both hips have, having been replaced, and the leg strength enabled me to kick out the passenger side door and slide myself out. And then I had the presence of mind to say, I think I'll take my bag because my bag, <laughs> my purse and my phone and my charger and, and so on. And so I grabbed it all and, and crawled out of the car and got far enough away and just sat there and looked at the car and went, did this just really happen? Wow. It's pretty phenomenal. Where was the car that hit you? Or was it a car that hit you? Another car? It was a large, it was a large SUV that hit me. Um, and that car was just past the intersection. It was crossing an intersection. So that car had stopped and it, it didn't look like there had been major damage. I, at this point, I haven't heard back from the insurance company just yet uh, as to what was damaged with the other vehicle. Mine is totaled, um, but the other car was just in the intersection. And I looked around, did not see any other cars. And so that was good. That's amazing, actually. Was this during the day? It was during the day. It was mid-afternoon and it was during our winter break. One of the wonderful things about working for a college is that you have two weeks off during 
uh, during the winter break, the end of the semester before the spring semester. And so that's the time when we take to, um, I still do work. That's because that's just who I am. I, I write, I produce a weekly newsletter, um, and, and I do uh, a lot of work on, on my own. And so I was just wanting to get out of the house and start getting some of these antiques taken care of. And that was where I was going for the afternoon. And it was thankfully not a time of high traffic. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say, Florida traffic, um, if there are speed limits, we don't know about them. Turn signals, do you use them? Not always. I mean, I certainly do because I'm a Wisconsin driver and we're careful drivers for the most part. But um, traffic does, it, it is very concerning. And so, um, Thankfully, it was at a time when there were no other cars around that had been in the intersection at that time. Generally, when a light turns yellow, it does not mean slow down. It means hit the gas pedal and zip through as many cars as you possibly can before the light turns red. So it's always a concern. But I was able to pull away from the car and just sit in the grass and just kind of recombobulate myself. And who came, who was the first person to come to you for, um, to help you? Um, the, the first person that I recall, interestingly, I saw a lot of people standing around in the parking lot of, of this, this antique mall, but no one really came over. And, mm-hmm. and I think that says a lot about who we are as a society nowadays. People don't want to get involved. Um, and so the first person who really came to talk to me was the police officer. And the first thing he asked me was, um, after he asked me if I was okay, he said, who pulled you out? And I said, well, I crawled out myself. And he said, really? And so then he took a statement on what had happened. And I felt the uh, the need at that moment in my, my somewhat addled brain to talk to him about the importance of mindfulness practices. <laughs> And he's probably thinking, okay, so here's this person who's just come out of a car that looks like a crumpled up ball of blue wrapping paper, and she's talking to me about mindful practices. But I told him that that the reason that I was able to get out was that I didn't panic. And that really is the key to me, is that we cannot panic. We don't know how things are going to turn out. I could have been hurt. It could have been much worse. However, it wasn't. But the key is to think clearly so that you don't exacerbate a situation by panicking in one way or another. Do you um, do you think if you had panicked, you it would have been you would have had more injuries or or you would have what what do you think would have happened had you panicked? Um, I, I, I believe that I would have had more injuries just from first of all, just from the tensing up. When we tense up under under certain circumstances, we pull our shoulders up to our ears, we clench our fists, we hunch over, we curl in a ball, and that puts us in a situation of, I could have had muscle spasms. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a medical practitioner, but from my experience with people who've been in accidents is that that's what happens when they, when they tense up. And I could have just sat in the car because that fight, flight, freeze, or faint mechanism could have kicked in. And, and so when you fight, of course, you're flailing, you're doing things that are erratic, that are not helping you. I couldn't fight, I couldn't flee. And if you freeze, you become catatonic. 
And so then you don't do anything. And if you faint, of course, then you're, you're running some more risks. And so I believe that I would have not been effective at getting myself out of the car, first of all. And yeah. thankfully it did not explode because <laughs> that was the concern when I heard that little sizzling, crackling sound and I smelled the smell of, of burning plastic. You wonder if it's going to explode and yeah. no idea at that time. You're just going by what you're experiencing, what all of your senses are experiencing at the moment. So talk to us about the mindfulness practice that got you to stay calm in a very, very stressful situation and how people can learn this practice. Sure. Um, well, when I started at Broward College uh, four years ago, four and a half years ago now, I started promoting metacognition because I knew that mindfulness was one of those woo-woo kind of things that people were going to roll their eyes and think, you know, here's this new age hippie trying to trying to get us to do some wonky things. And so I promoted it as metacognition because that's an academic term, thinking about what you're thinking. And so there were people who were ready to, to take the steps toward working with mindfulness. And, and there were people who are already doing mindful practices, but they weren't sharing that they were just not sure how that was going to be received. And, and, you know, certainly there are people at varying degrees of, of mindfulness and, and meditation practices, but I started just being consistent and being logical and constructive. It was none of the talking about some of the metaphysical type of things. It was very straightforward. Here's what happens in the brain when you take deep breaths. Here is the neuroscience behind what happens. And so books like James Clear's Atomic Habits, the book that just came out last year written by Dr. Amishi Jha called Focus. She's a wonderful neuroscience researcher at the University of Miami. And, and looking at other neuroscience researchers and practitioners who share with us the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, right? It, or I mean, excuse me, um, Center for Healthy Minds in, in Madison, Wisconsin, has done some seminal work in neuroscience and, and teaching us about neuroplasticity. So those were the things that I started to talk about. And in the beginning of all of my presentations, I would have people do a three breath practice, just a three breath practice. It takes less than a minute. It's preceded by some reminders to relax one's face and shoulders and, and so on. And it suddenly became just a thing. It became what we do. And what that means is it became part of our culture. I lead a mindfulness practice called Purposeful Pauses. I have them on Monday after Monday and Tuesday afternoons because those have been deemed the, the best times for people. And 100% of my work now with departments at Broward College is by request. And it always contains some kind of mindful breathing or even a movement practice. In addition, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which is what I mentioned before, is an organization for which I am working towards certification. That is an eight-week course that a colleague and I facilitate where we do various types of mindful practices. So all of those really funnel through the amount of time that people have and the topic that they ask me to present. And then the people who show up to my sessions and I just tell them, do these every day, do the three breath practice before you enter a meeting, before you enter a one-on-one -on -one discussion. 
and before you even start on a project by yourself. And it's just three breaths. So if you'd like, we can do it right now, Barbara. It just takes about 30 seconds. Yeah, let's do it. And everyone who's listening, you okay. join. Okay. So, so the first thing that I'd like you to do is turn your attention to your forehead. We have a lot of tension in our foreheads. So relax those muscles in your forehead and then relax that space between your eyebrows. Relax your jaw. Reduce that, release that tension in the temporomandibular joint. Let your jaw relax. And then feel like you have a little lift in your breastbone. Sternum is just lifting upward and that allows your shoulder blades to just sink down your spine. So immediately it brings you into a more effective, more relaxed posture. And let's take one deep, deep inhale, the deepest inhale that you can take. And exhale like you're blowing out through a straw. On your second inhale in your mind, you're saying, I am relaxed. As you exhale, you're saying, I feel calm. And your third inhale, you're saying, I am fully present. As you exhale, you're saying, right here, right now. And then settle into your chair. Hmm. That feels nice. It is enough. It is enough to help people detach from everything that they have been doing, thinking, fretting about, talking about. And it only takes a minute at the most. And so that is the practice that I do daily. And that is the practice that helped me to develop the breath practice that what became uh, an automatic reaction. Yeah. Automatic response, yes. So you said you do an eight-week mindfulness uh, session. Is mm -hmm. that only for Broward College um, employees? That's not something that anybody can sign up for, right? Um, it's for it's just for Broward College employees right now. There's a maximum of ten people uh, allowed in the session because it is a lot of lot of open communication, and we really form a community. We've we've done three um, eight week sessions so far. And we all stay connected in our own little groups, um, which is really wonderful because it's a great way for people to find a safe space, to have psychological safety, to express themselves, and um, just to leave feeling better than when they came in. And, you know, that's one of my missions in life is that every encounter that I have, I want people to feel better after we've talked or met than they did when before we started. And so the certification process is really long and very intensive, and it's an incredibly rich experience. And I, I feel very fortunate to be able to go through this entire process. So if someone doesn't work for Broward College, which what I assume is most of our listeners, how would they, um, how could they learn more about this mindfulness practice and you practice more of this mindfulness um, what do you suggest? How do they reach out to you to learn more if, if, if you're the person that they should reach out to or who should they reach out to? Well, one of the, the things that people can do is go to the Center for Mind-Body Medicine's website and it will give you, uh, you'll see what they're doing in the world. This organization 
goes to traumatized parts of the world and helps people to cope with trauma. And what more wonderful thing is there in life to help people cope when they're experiencing extreme adversity? And so one of my goals in the next couple of years is, is to join them, is to join them in, in, in somewhere because there's always a tragedy somewhere and there's always a need for people to help others get through it. And so, so that's one resource. And another resource is just um, going on the web. You know, you have John Kabat-Zinn who started the mindfulness-based stress reduction, which I have taken. I've, I've taken that eight-week course. You have Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute that used to be Google's um, mindfulness program, and, and now it is its own entity. And as I mentioned before, you have Dr. Amishi Jha, who wrote the book on focus, which is something that we all need to improve on, right? And so she, looking at her neuro neuroscience research, um, there are many apps. I personally like the center, uh, the um, Healthy Minds Innovations app. And that is right here from um, the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Center for Healthy Minds. And there's Insight Timer, there's the Berkeley um, or the UC Berkeley's Mindful app. Um, and, and so there are a variety of ways that you can start on a mindful practice, but really the key is to just do it. it it's wonderful to learn the science because that validates what we're doing and why we're doing it. But deep breathing takes very little time, no money, no particular positions that you need to be in. You don't need to wear, people still think that you need to, that meditation means you're going to put on a tie-dye t-shirt, sit on a colorful mat, burn incense <laughs> and have beads in the doorway and sit with your hands in a mudra and say, Om. and you don't have to do that. You can, if you want, you, you can adopt that persona if you want but you can really do these mindful practices anywhere. And the key is to, is to do them consistently, to do them every day for a few moments. Dr. Ja determined that 12 minutes a day is sufficient. So if you broke that up into short practices, that is enough to train the brain to develop the, the, the ability to activate that relaxation response, that deep breath practice, and the clear thinking focused attention that we need in all kinds of encounters. Yeah. Oh, clear thinking focus. That sounds wonderful. Um, this has been so incredibly informative and helpful, Lisa. I can't thank you enough. And uh, I will make sure that I provide links to some of the resources that you mentioned in the description for this podcast. And I just want to say I'm so glad that you survived that accident and that you were willing to share your story and your um, knowledge about the importance of mindfulness and getting through traumatic events. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and my, my yoga students, I've been teaching all along, although I've been teaching verbally. So my students are activating their auditory learning skills, which is, is, um, is, is good for them, but it's humorous at the same time. Just wanted to point out that people can also contact me via LinkedIn. Um, I have met a lot of wonderful people on LinkedIn and connected with some really, really brilliant minds. And, and I think that's what is valuable is that we meet, we connect, we share, and then we all become better practitioners in this wonderful profession that we're in. I'll make sure I link to your LinkedIn profile then too in the description. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. 
Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.